0: Coach K was even asked, like, how do you describe Zion? And he said, just watch.
1: Very efficient. Rebounding, handling the ball,
0: and finishing again. Man, oh, man. Like I said, just watch. How do you describe that?
1: It's time for the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP and the ESPN-UP app. Tanner Hoops with you on a Thursday afternoon as we get you through the work week. One more day to go. We've got Jake Duran, our CBS Marquette affiliate, in studio with us. That's how you know it's Thursday. Jake, we're one week away from stuffing our face with turkey and stuffing and mashed potatoes. Thanksgiving snuck up on us this year, but I love this holiday. I mean, this is going to be fun, and right now it's just going to be a matter of getting through this next week because I can't wait.
0: Yeah, I mean, the Thanksgiving time, November, is a great time for sports. Uh, mm-hmm. Like you said, we got the NFL going to be um, showcased usually. Um, that's a tradition in most households you know mm-hmm. you, you get your food you watch some football with family and, and you have a good time there's usually some traditional nice traditional matchups with some rivalries and things like that it's funny I remember growing up um, you know growing up here in the UP uh, my family was split, split 50-50 when it comes to Packers Lions <laughs> and uh, you know my grand grandpa uh, on my mom's side was from Pontiac Michigan so you know it's right outside of detroit and then my dad and his family's from milwaukee wisconsin so mm-hmm. um my dad formed me into a packer packers fan young but my grandpa would always bring me down to the silver dome and in mm-hmm. Ford field and i would go see it, it was always the packers lions on thanksgiving day and i just always will remember you know um that being a tradition of going down there and watching brett Favre beat up on on the detroit lions in the silver dome and even in in the ford field um you know the last time i went which was 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 a while ago but you know those are the type of traditions you know that i connect sports with and i think that's why i fought, fell in love with sports and i love doing it because you know it reminds you of, of things like that and um you know, Thanksgiving is just a time where like, football is huge in my family. So it, it's going to be fun. And like I said, there's a lot of sports going on. NBA is, d- is dramatic as ever. Um, you know, the NHL's uh, really get, getting going, with, and the Red Wings are surprised yes. um, as of late. So maybe they have figured some things out, and, you know, they're living up to potential. So, yeah, everything's good, man. Everything's good, and, and I'm looking forward to, to Thanksgiving.
1: Well, I'm trying to pinpoint what years that would have been that the Lions uh, would have been playing Brett Favre down in the Silver Dome, or who would have been quarterback in the Lions? Then was that the John Kitna, maybe Joey Harrington era?
0: I think yeah, I, it was. It was around that time. Those, I, were I, those, those were rough. Those are some rough, some rough days for uh, for the Lions. I, I remember once, uh, what was it? For some reason, we were leaving early and the Lions were winning, mm-hmm. and I was just like. I was young. I was really young. Mm -hmm. And literally, we're we're in the car. Um, I think we were just trying to beat traffic or something. And uh, over the radio, I hear Brett Favre with the huge comeback in the the (laughs) win over the Lions. And, you know, my grandpa was a huge Lions fan. He was really pumped that we got out of there. But um, I think it was – do I – is Charlie Bat? Why do I think Charlie Batch? Maybe that was too far ago. I was super young, mm-hmm. you know. I was really young when this mm-hmm. happens, when this was going on. So I can't really remember who was. I just remember being mind blown by Brett Favre on the field and in guys like that.
1: What is your best sports memory? Maybe it doesn't have to be the best one. Maybe the most unique one.
0: You know, I, I would put that up um, uh, right there at top, just because of you know the holiday and how it revolved around, mm-hmm. around family, and it was something I did more than one time. Um, you know, I, I've. It's hard to pinpoint just one. There's a lot. Of, I think my first time in the big house was really oh, yeah. uh, really exciting for me just because I grew up a diehard Michigan football fan. Mm-hmm. And it took me so long to get there. And this was only a few years ago. So mm-hmm. um, for me, walking into that stadium and actually seeing it, what I saw on TV all the time, um, that was a really big moment. Um, I was in the, the Palace of Auburn Hills, the game after uh, the Indiana Pacers and Detroit Pistons played, mm-hmm. the game they met after the brawl. Um, so when they came into town, and I remember just the atmosphere, it was very tense. Um, the Pacers didn't come out and warm up; uh, they stayed in the locker room. There was there was a, a postponement to the game because there was some something going on. So it was really it was, just, it was a weird vibe, but um, it was fun to see them come out and, and kind of squash that. Um, and I just remember Reggie Miller just destroying Detroit. So that's a that's a moment that i won't forget even though i'm a pistons fan but those are just some some things and i think that was my second nba game so it was, it was really unique
1: a lot of your memories sound like they involve your teams losing
0: you know Mich the michigan the last michigan game i went to they won pretty handedly <clears throat> um i went and saw dwayne wade and Shaq and alonzo morning <clears throat> play the pistons um that was actually when alonzo blew out his knee and retired <clears throat> um I, I watched that live that was <clears throat> interesting um, I don't know if they won that game. I can't really remember. It's hard for me to remember. Um, the most recent game I went to professionally, I went to the the Bucks and Celtics. Oh, that would uh, be fun. And I actually like became kind of a, a fan of the team, the Celtics team that they mm-hmm. had. Um, but, yeah, I think maybe, I don't know. It, it's 50-50, I think.
1: I don't know if it's my favorite, but I think the most unusual thing I've ever gone to, you, you know, the whole Metrodome situation where the Vikings, the Twins, and the Golden Gophers all shared the Metrodome. Well, it was back in 2004, and I remember it because it was the first Saturday of October, so it was like the last uh, Saturday in the regular season. season would end the next day, and the Twins had to play at 11 a.m. They went to about 11 innings, and then they said they had to stop the game because the Gophers were playing a home football game at 7 o'clock that night, so they kick us all out with the game in a tie after 11 innings. And of course, two teams that weren't going to go to the playoffs game didn't matter. They just finished it the next day. But I don't know if that's my favorite, but it's certainly something unusual that never happened in the entire history of the Metrodome, that they couldn't finish one game because another had to start. That was the only exception. So that was cool being a part of history, I
0: guess. I guess. But what was the crowd's reaction?
1: Not good. No, I I I would imagine there was a
0: lot of booze, I Mm -hmm. mean, you're paying money. Um, yeah, I would have been. That would be been a kind of disappointing, especially in, in such a close game in and, and extra innings.
1: I mean, the Twins were good back in that decade, but that wasn't a year they were going to make the playoffs, and the crowd was still upset you know they would have liked to been able to see the game late this season but nonetheless uh you talked about the thanksgiving slate that's coming up thankfully your family doesn't have to be divided this year because the lions play the bears that's a 12 30 game at four thirty. washington and dallas eight twenty. atlanta in new orleans so there should be some pretty good football a week from today but let's dig into tonight's matchup you've got the packers visiting seattle It's going to be a good game. I I really get the feeling it will be. I know Seattle's not what they used to be. They're down defensively without guys like Earl Thomas. But Russell Wilson is still a top-tier quarterback in the NFL. I know he's having a down year by his standards. But he's going up against a Packer defense that has looked good sometimes, but they've been largely inconsistent this year. The Packers, they feel like they can come back and run the table they always seem to do that toward the end of the year they like to have a stretch where they they just go off and they catch fire late in the season and Aaron Rodgers sets the tone for that and he came out this week and said this is the time where we're going to run the table so I'm excited to see what he does as him and Russell Wilson go up against each other two guys who've won Super Bowls both doing it playing very different styles of football
0: right and as a as a Packer fan I'm 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 waiting for that moment where things start to click and i i slowly see this happening especially with this defense um this younger uh defense the secondary has been playing a lot better they're kind of still weak on the back end obviously getting rid of clinton Dix, and i know they have some injuries that they're fighting through but i think their defense as a whole is getting better um and a little bit more consistent obviously you know they're leading or one of the top teams leading the league in sacks this year thanks to the scheme they got under Mike Pettin or Pettin, Pettin, I don't really know if it's whatever. Um, but, you know, um, you know, he's had a really good system with, with uh, confusing quarterbacks. He did it to Tom Brady a little bit, uh, most recently what I remember, um, and obviously Brock Osweil, Osweiler struggled, but it's Brock Osweiler. I wasn't mm-hmm. expecting a lot from him. But um, history has shown that Russell Wilson has Not had his greatest games against Green Bay. Mm -hmm. Um, He's thrown – I remember him throwing multiple interceptions the last couple times out um, and then things like that. And even in that that, uh, NFC Championship game, um, the Packers were pretty dominant, and he's been able to fall back on that that really good defense they've had over the years a lot. Um, He doesn't really have that as much this year, so it will be interesting to see how he comes out. Um, I think the biggest thing uh, we should look for as Packer fans and and I guess just football fans is – The Seattle Seahawks have the number one rushing attack in, in all of the NFL. Um, most recently been running behind uh, Rashad Perry, the rookie. Um, now Seattle, they got a lot of criticism drafting him late in the first round. Mm -hmm. Everyone thought it was a reach, but he's really been coming on. They got three guys that have hit the 100 yard mark this season. Um, and you know, it's going to be interesting to see if green Bay's rushing defense, which is ranked, I think it's 22nd right now in the NFL. So, you know, it's not great, but it's not the worst. Um, But I think that's going to really go a long way to to telling uh, who's going to win this game. Um, I do think this, I have like a feeling that this will be the first road win the Packers do get this season. Mm. Um, And I think this is going to be the start of something, you know, as you said, a little bit of a run that the Packers, maybe a last ditch effort um, Mm -hmm. per se to kind of make a push and, you know, sneak into the playoffs. I know teams around the NFL don't want to see Green Bay sneak into the playoffs. They don't. I know teams wouldn't want to play them um, in a first-round game. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see. Um, and I do think if the Packers do it, they're going to sneak in right at the end of the season. Um, it's, going to be, it's going to be interesting to see.
1: Providing that they can win out, they would almost certainly make it with 10 wins. But if they can go 9-6-1, and one, that should be at least good enough for a wild card, you would think. Right. Yeah,
0: they have a little bit of leeway but you know they got they got a couple of big games coming up i know they have minnesota yeah. who obviously we all know what happened there so if they can get past seattle i mean this is key this is a winnable game on the mm-hmm. road they you need to win games on the road. The Packers haven't been able to win games on the road. If you want to be a playoff team, you have to be able to go to someone else's stadium and come out with a W. And obviously CenturyLink Field over the past years has been one of the toughest stadiums to play in with the 12th man and, and this the loud you know crowd that they have there. But the Packers have, have fared well in that environment, I think. I think the only, you know, the one... <laughs> AT&T Stadium is what, you know, the Packers' second home. I'm just going to say that now for the Cowboys fans, but I think Green Bay has played pretty well, you know, when going up to Seattle, especially when they had those dominant teams. They they gave them games um, you know, where a lot of teams were going up there and getting blown out. So, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be on point today uh offensively. You know aaron jones has been a big focal point the last few games i think it's key that they get him going early and open up that play a- play action and you got to get jimmy graham involved he was a big acquisition um i think randall cobb's out this game geronimo allison obviously um out on ir so you know mvs valdez scanling is going to have to uh, step up he's been asked to do a lot they're gonna have to get something from the third guy they're gonna have to mm-hmm. get something from equanimous st brown your notre dame guy yep. um you know uh or, or just somebody. Somebody needs to step up. Whether it be Jamie Graham going and catching a couple balls, or or you know Lance Kedrick's coming in and doing something. I think uh, they definitely need to. A- to rely, you know, they need a third guy to come up, and, and right now it's it's questionable who that's going to be. Um, you know, Devonte Adams is going to do his thing. I think he's one of the best receivers in the league. He's definitely um, come a long way from I remember his first couple years where he was dropping balls and things, and people were questioning if he was going to be the guy they wanted. And he's he's you know evolved and blossomed to a really good receiver. But offensively, they need to get that run game going. Defensively, they need to stop the run game. That's the type of game it's going to mm-hmm. be, and it's going to be one in the trenches and on the ground.
1: They're going to have to get something out of Mike Daniels because he's let down since he's come to the Packers this season. He's not performed up to expectations. And maybe Clay Matthews hasn't either. I feel like there's another level that he can reach, and he's proven he can reach, that he has not this season. I've been really impressed with Blake Martinez. I think that that Packer linebacker core led by Martinez has to contain Russell Wilson tonight if they want any shot because he just he's so slippery he does a great job just getting out of the pocket and making life miserable for a defense offensively both teams are going to be good tonight I almost feel like this is going to be not quite a shootout because each team is missing a few weapons but I see this as being a 31 to 27 score something like that
0: yeah I mean I think it's going to be there's going to be a lot of scoring happening in this game um Russell Wilson does kind of um, pose a threat to me, I think, obviously getting out in the pocket and things like that. Um, but I do think this Packers secondary, you know, a lot of the times they're, they've been able to get sacks is, is covered sacks. You know, their defensive line isn't great, but I do think that secondary that the Packers have, that was a weak spot uh, even coming into this season. Uh, with Jair Alexander, I think they hit a home run, drafting him in the first round. I think um, he has a potential and has shown that, you know, he's – the next big thing at, at the cornerback position. I think his stats, his rookie year, have shown he's in the top he's a top ten corner, if not top five. Um I mean look at look up the stats and look at the, the guys throwing to him against that. Uh the Patriots, they were challenging him all night and he t- he stood up to the challenge and um even when you go on social media and you're you're following all these players uh like I do you know, a lot of a lot of uh, Marshawn Lattimore from the Saints uh, brought up Jair Alexander's, you know, the next big one, the next one up, you know. People are seeing it mm-hmm. and noticing it, and I think he's going to be a stud, and he's definitely going to be a guy. I think he might win Defensive Player of the Year this year. You he, know, deserves rookie, a, he deserves it. Not Defensive Player, Defensive Rookie of the Year. Defensive Rookie, absolutely. Rookie of the Year. There's a very good chance he wins that award. Um, so with him, Josh Jackson, and then, you know, that bev- bevy of uh, veterans, I think, you know, if they can cover and, you know, like you said, the, that defensive line is going to have to – you know, kind of corral uh, Russell Wilson and, and you know just making things tough on him. He, like I said, Russell Wilson has thrown a lot of picks against Green Bay. For some reason, I don't know if it's a Wisconsin connection that he has or what, but he sees that Green Bay, that green and yellow. He kind of he, he doesn't play well.
1: Mm-hmm. We've got Jake Duran of CBS Marquette in studio with us. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back and we'll dissect last night's NBA action. All that and more is coming up next in the Sports Pen on ESPN UP and the ESPN UP app. Check out the UP's
0: live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app.
1: Welcome back to The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP and the ESPN-UP app. Don't forget, Pigskin Paydays back. Pick the winner of each week's game to win. Play all season long for the $100,000 grand prize. Only at Ojibwe Casino, Barriga, and Marquette. Tanner Hoops with you in studio Thursday afternoon. Jake Duran, our CBS Marquette affiliate, is in with us. Well, uh, NBA last night, pretty entertaining for a lot of fans up here. And if you go down the split between the Bucks and the Pistons, a uh, very different reaction to how last night went. By the way, congratulations to you, buzzer beater Reggie Bullock taking down the North. Yeah, uh,
0: that, was, that was a... I didn't expect uh, Detroit to win that one. To be honest. I didn't expect Reggie Bullock to be the hero. Right. And I've given, uh, you know, just me watching games. If, if you could sit in on a game where I'm watching up at work and, and my coworkers know all about this. I don't, uh, I'm not necessarily a fan of Reggie Bullock all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I Neither do. Th- are a lot of Pistons You know, fans. I do think they're missing a piece at that position that, you know, they need that just a guy who's going to be, they just needed a guy who's next level at that position for them to, to really try to push and get better. I think that's one of their weaker positions, but huge, huge win. Um, huge shot by him last night um, to go into Toronto, who I think entered the game 12 and two. I think they're, you know, top team in the East. Mm-hmm. Um, the Pistons were sitting at 500 at six and six. Uh, it was just a gutsy win for uh, Detroit. Blake Griffin came back after having a couple down games and he was able to drop 30 and um, you know, they, they play hard for the coach and, um, I think it's a good – you know, it kind of reiterates the fact that it was a good pickup for uh, Detroit, obviously the reigning coach of the year. Mm -hmm. Um, You could just tell that the players like playing for him, and I think it's always been that way for for, uh, Dwayne Casey. Um, He's a player's coach. But, you know, and I want to say that Toronto made a huge mistake getting rid of him, but you look at (laughs) Toronto – it's, it's, I think it might be a win-win for both in the long run. You know, I think it might it might actually work out for both. But huge win. Um, very good to see the Pistons win on a buzzer beater. That doesn't happen very often. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a good win for Detroit against one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference.
1: And what a special win for Dwayne Casey. He comes back, and he drew up a great play for the buzzer beater for Reggie Bullock and give him a ton of credit. Comes back to his old stadium. He, uh, he, he did so much for Toronto, gets coach of the year, and then gets booted. And he ends up coming back and beating his old team at the buzzer. So really good to see for Dwayne Casey. The Pistons may be starting to figure a few things out as they get back above 500. How about the Bucks, They suffered their first home loss last night against, really, frankly, a bad Grizzlies team. That's maybe off to a better start than people would have thought. But still, they're pretty mediocre. And they give up 116 points to them. I mean, the Bucks are scoring the ball with ease. I mean, they are consistently getting over 100. I think they're... Fifth in the league in scoring, and they get one thirteen last night. Should be good enough to beat a team like the Grizzlies, and yet it's not. I I don't, I don't know what
0: happened. You know, um, it, you know these type of games happen. I think, um, in the NBA where maybe you don't take a team too serious or anything. Um, you know the the Grizzlies are one of the teams they haven't really been good, mm-hmm. good, but they've shown that you know they they can beat one of the you know top teams um, with that core of guys they have. Um, I think this is just one of those things where the Bucks. You know, maybe they they just didn't come out and play. You know, want to play defense, uh, necessarily or or play that hard. You know, um, and the the Grizzlies were able to hang into that game, hang into that game, and and towards the end of the game, they're able to take a, take it over and win. I don't see this being an issue for Milwaukee. I still think Milwaukee is one of the better teams. I just think this is one of those those things where they're going to look back and say, you know, we should have won this game, but unfortunately, uh, the the Grizzlies got the better the better of them. But. Um, I still lo- love this Bucks team, and I still think you know they're going to be one of those teams that really uh, make
1: a deep run
0: in the Eastern Conference uh, playoffs.
1: So Toronto and Milwaukee, the top two teams in the East, both lose last night. Doesn't hurt them in the standings. They Philly. stay atop the top two. And then how about Philly? How about that? The Wolves win their first game after the Jimmy Butler trade, and Philly loses. I don't know if that's indicative of how things went in the trade. I still think Minnesota got badly burned. But it's kind of funny how things like that work out. Timberwolves beat the Pelicans with Sarich and Covington. Philly gets Jimmy Buckets and Justin Patton, and then they lose. All right.
0: This is one of those trades where I, I looked at it, and I'm like, okay, I know Philly's getting Jimmy Butler. That's good. Um, but I think for Minnesota, they get two really solid role players that can shoot the ball mm-hmm. and, and make things happen here and there. And I think surrounding those guys or surrounding Cat. Um, Carl Anthony towns and and Wiggins with those type of guys. I can see that being a pretty good mix You know, you have a lot of options Um, It kind of opens up the floor and and most importantly you don't have to deal with Jimmy Butler in the media And you know coming into practice and with the third stringers and beating you Um, For Philly, I think it puts more of a spotlight on them. Obviously Uh, Yeah, it puts more pressure on them and um, It really I think Jimmy Butler is gonna feel a lot of pressure to make sure that he makes this thing work um, I'm still questioning the fit just because, you know, I don't know. Sometimes they go on these these weird, you know, slides where the, their offense is kind of not great. Um, and then they, they lose a little depth as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, Jimmy didn't play terrible last night, obviously, with his first game with the team. But um, it's definitely a game they should have won. And it's going to be interesting to see how it kind of works out for both of these teams. Obviously, it's one game. But, um, yeah, like you said, it, hopefully it's not something that's going to – you know, kind of reflect what the whole season is going to be. Because sometimes when you make these big trades, they don't work out.
1: Well, and I like what you said about the Timberwolves and who they got in the return with Saric and Covington. Because I think everyone seems to be in agreement that Minnesota – lost this trade, but they still got two guys that can contribute right away. The thing that makes it look so bad for Minnesota is the fact that they had four first round picks offered for a guy like Jimmy Butler, but somebody was convinced in that organization that they can win now. I still don't think Minnesota is going to be a serious contender. They may not even be a playoff team this year, which I get, you know, you get guys like Sarge and Covington, pretty good role guys, you know, they'll help whoever you have on there, but I just don't see why you'd pass up four first-rounders for it. That, that to me, is what makes this a bad trade. If you take away that, you take away the situation out of context, it looks like a pretty good trade for a team like Minnesota. But given what they could have had for them and how well they could have been prepared for the next decade, in that sense, it makes it look really bad. Right.
0: And, yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue. I mean, one first-round pick, okay. Two first-round picks, not bad. Three first-round picks, now we're talking four first-round picks? You're talking about setting your franchise up for many, many of years, and it, you could kind of roll with what the Boston Celtics did to build the team they have right now. Um and the depth they have, and you know they're still you know reaping benefits. I think they have another first-round pick from like the Kings this year. But I mean you had a, like you said you you did have an opportunity to, um, you know, set your franchise up for four years to come. I think they were walking that line of win now and and still trying to build a team. But I, you know the upper management was convinced that they were, they were in win now mo- mode. Um it would be really hard pressed for me to, to pass a four first round picks. I probably would have would have done that deal in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Um so so I do agree with you a little bit. If you think about it like that and what that could have been, um it's hard to say, you know, they obviously lost a trade, but for what it is, I think it worked it's gonna work out for both teams.
1: Well you look at what's happening in Golden State right now and the locker room's in a little bit of turmoil. They won a couple of nights ago without Steph Curry and without Draymond for very different reasons. They play again tonight. Steph may be missing up to 10 days, they're starting to find out. We're not sure how serious this injury actually is or how much the Warriors are letting on. But we do know the seriousness of the locker room situation between guys like Kevin Durant and Draymond Green. Now, Draymond has no problem being an instigator. If he has something to say, he's going to say it. He doesn't care about the time, the place, or the setting. Kevin Durant is a guy with all kinds of talent, but very, very thin skin. He will not respond well to criticism. You see him going back and forth with critics on Twitter, and that doesn't stop. I mean, you're going to get, if you're LeBron, who's clearly the best player in the world right now, people are always going to criticize you, and it's about how you react to it. You know, there's never going to be a point where you're going to silence everybody. And Kevin Durant doesn't seem to realize that. Even his teammates are realizing that. And a guy like Draymond Green is going up and starting to instigate something with Kevin Durant. And we haven't even put him on the same floor as DeMarcus Cousins yet. How worried should the Warriors be when this is happening early on in the season and you still are going to add Boogie into the mix? How worried should they be about that toxic locker room spilling onto the floor?
0: You know, I do think it's obviously an issue, um, you know, I think anytime you have a team of guys that have been around each other for a long time, you know, this team has, has won a lot, um, and, you know, they've been in the spotlight as, as the team to beat for the last several years, um, things like this are going to happen, um, you know, guys are champions, guys have egos, guys, um, you know, think they're, you know, the greatest, because they've been dubbed, you know, called the greatest for so many years, With Raymond, I think he made a bad decision that game and not getting it to Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant's one of the best scores the league has ever seen. I'm not really sure what he was thinking. I think Kevin Durant w- w- had the right to be a little mad there. Um, you know, he's their best, one of their best scores next to Steph Curry. I mean, they got three really good scores. Clay Thompson's one of the best scores I've ever seen too. Um, but does it surprise me that it's happening? No. Um, what do I? I do see Kevin Durant obviously making his burner accounts, getting on onto it. You know, on social media. You know, fighting with his teammates. I, I I don't know if you saw that or anyone out there saw on social media, um, the video where Kevin Durant was uh, mouthing to himself or whispering to himself, like "This is why I'm out," um, and a lot of people have thought that means this is why he's going to be out next season, mm-hmm. uh, which is still a, a distinct possibility. But in the long run, do I think any of this? You know, I would be more concerned over the injuries uh, to Steph Curry and things like that rather than the locker room turmoil, because uh, at the end of the year when the playoffs t- kick around and and it's it's go time. I think these guys know what, what it's all about and what their, their ultimate goal is. I think they'll squash the beef, and I think they'll get to work and, and try to win another one. And um, It's going to be interesting to see who, who's gone next year. Whether it be Kevin Durant because he wants to be gone, or will it be Draymond Green because the Warriors want him gone?
1: I'm glad you brought that up because if the Warriors front office had their choice— they would pick Kevin Durant to keep him rather than Draymond, but I think it'll be the other way around next season. I just don't see Kevin Durant coming back. He's proved about everything he can over there in uh, Golden State right now. He wants to go out somewhere and cement his own legacy because he's tired of being made to be the villain, the guy in LeBron's shadow. So he wants to go out and prove himself somewhere, maybe go to a struggling franchise and build them up. Draymond Green, with what he did, you know, there's ways to address things with your teammate. And Draymond pretty much handled it in the worst way possible, with a lot of emotion, a lot of anger, and the Warriors front office saw it. They side with Kevin Durant. You know essentially they said they they almost laughed in Draymond's face and said, This is our guy. We're siding with him. You can take a walk if you want to. And Draymond decided to take his suspension, move on to the next one, what have you. The Warriors front office comes to the fence of a guy like Durant. And I don't know that either of them should be feeling too good about the situation, Durant or Draymond, for being divas in the situation. But what does a guy like Clay Thompson and Steph Curry, when they see the front office choosing sides and picking favorites, what do you think they're thinking when they see all of this? Because guys like Steph and Clay. I feel like they have been portrayed as villains a little bit wrongly. They're they're looking that way because they're successful, and people want to see the dynasty crumble, unless you're a fan of Golden State. Steph and Clay just do what they need to do to win. You know, They just kind of shut up and do their business. But what they have to be thinking something when they see the front office picking sides between the teammates, don't they?
0: Yeah, I think they're out there thinking something. But things run a little bit differently when you've won multiple championships um in the front office, you know, is put in that light of being able to put together a team. I think um, that front office has kind of proven that they know what they're doing. And I think it was a situation where a lot of people I mean it would be hard to argue that Draymond was in, in the in the right there. I mean you're not a point guard. You're not a guy that's been known to hit, you know, shots. Um a guy like Draymond who's so adamant and open and emotional, you got to be real with him. You know, if I was his butt boy and I went in the locker room um, and he's, you know, over there yelling and stuff, I'd be like, man, you, you made a mistake. You know, I, I how can you defend yourself? What were you trying to do? You know, you have the best shooter in, in NBA history on the floor. You have arguably the best scorer in NBA history on the floor. Um, and you, you're not you're not that. Um, I'm sure all the coaches are saying the same thing. Get it to Kevin Durant, who is a seven-one freak of nature that could pull up. And my best bet, even if he pulls up from from half court, or uh, if if you know, Clay Thompson or, or Steph Curry wants to pull it from half court, it's it's still better than you dribbling down and shooting it through. I'm sorry. Um, do, if I was Steph Curry, you know, I would just be like, I think they're right. In my eyes, I, mm-hmm. they're kind of right. Yeah. You know, and I think both of them handled it wrong, and I, you know, it's it's unfortunate. That's the way it is. But these things happen, man. Fights happen. It's a brotherhood. You know, any locker room, this is going to happen. If you played sports, there's been fights happening. But you know, most empires they, they get destroyed from the inside out. So, you know, they're going to really have to like communicate and, and figure this out and and go back to you know, obviously winning an NBA championship is the bigger pitcher ultimate goal, rather rather than you know fighting your egos and stuff like that and and trying to be the hero or the game saver person i guess
1: jake durant from cbs marquette in studio with us coming up we'll talk uh nicknames we've got a brand new one in the listening area that came up last night we'll talk about that and the monday night football matchup coming up all that and more in the sports pen on espn up check out the up's live and local sports talk show the
0: sports pen weekday afternoons at four on espn up and on the
1: espn up app Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP and the ESPN-UP app. Don't forget, Pigskin Paydays back. Pick the winner of each week's game to win. Play all season long for the $100,000 grand prize only at Ojibwe Casino, Barriga and Marquette. Tanner Hoops with you in studio along with Jake Durant of CBS Marquette. Well, Jake and I are going to talk unusual nicknames for various sports teams. And we bring this up because last night, the Northwoods League franchise over in Green Bay... Decided that they were going to change their nickname. The Northwoods League, in case you're unfamiliar with it, a summer collegiate baseball league. It's on the wooden bat circuit. I was there up in Duluth. That was the team I was covering before coming up to the UP and actually had to call the final out of the summer collegiate world series up there. It's a great league, fun to be a part of. Green Bay has a franchise. They've been known as the Green Bay Bullfrogs for the last few years, really since their inception into the league. Lately... They have had a contest to name the team, to rename the team. They're going to pick a new color scheme, get a new logo, what have you. And they are going through a rebranding phase. So the Green Bay Bullfrogs held this contest. They decided to change their name to the Green Bay Booyah. The Booyah was the name that they picked. They are changing their color scheme to yellow and red and royal blue and their mascot is a chicken. I don't know where they got all of this from. I don't even know if I like it. But, you know, it's college kids and they're having fun in the summer. And I guess that's who you do it for. But nonetheless, the Green Bay Bullfrogs become the Green Bay Booya. Initially, I don't know. I'm excited to see the uniforms from that. But, uh, man, they had some doozies up there for the finalists.
0: Yeah, I mean... Uh if anyone now correct me if i'm wrong I, I read up on this but uh the booyah is like a soup or like a stew that's why it's a chicken it, that could be um because one of the logos is the chicken in a pot and right it, and it's like basically being cooked but it has a smile on its face it's really okay. weird well, yeah um, so <laughs> but it, 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 i could see it you know i could see the fans yelling booyah or something you know what i mean so uh it is a very weird nickname um the colors i don't really like no um you know, I think they could have gone a different direction, but I mean, it's it's unique. It's gonna obviously get people talking like we are right now, and um, you know, it's it's one of many many weird nicknames that uh, sports teams have, and it's usually these minor league teams mm-hmm. or you know lower level league teams that come up with these odd and just weird nicknames. Uh, you know, what happened to being able to just be the Tigers or or you know the the I don't know just your standard nicknames, mm-hmm. the Rams or something. I don't know.
1: Well, you had the Booyah was the one that they ended up picking. Here are the other finalists for the contest. And really, to me, there was no name I would have liked, uh, would have preferred that they pick. The Booyah won over the Green Bay Cheese Curds. Actually, those uniforms would have been fun to see. The Green Bay Old Fashions, the Green Bay Supper Clubbers, the Green Bay Tailgaters, the Green Bay Underdogs, and the Green Bay Worst. Like bratwurst or liverwurst with a W instead of an O, that's, like the meat. That's the
0: worst. That is the worst no, one. No pun intended. No. I'm sorry, but you, you, there's so many jokes you can make if your nickname's the worst. Come on, man. I like the cheese curds. Cheese
1: curds would have been fine. I mean,
0: cheese curds. If you think about cheese curds, they're very, very yummy. It's a Wisconsin you know, thing. It's a Wisconsin thing. So you got culvers. You got all those things. So mm-hmm. I think that that one make sense. Cheese curds. You could, you know, toss out cheese curds. Sell cheese curds? Absolutely. You know, jerseys.
1: I mean, how much fun would that would have been? A giant mascot? Like a giant cheese curd is a mascot? I don't know. Right now their logo looks like they ripped off something from Chick fil A and colored it royal red and yellow or something like that. But you see a few of these teams that for whatever reason, it seems like they have no reason in particular, they just decide to Go with a new brand. They decided to change their logo, their nickname, their colors. I can't think of any other reason than they just want fans to buy more stuff. A few years ago I was in the USHL for three years and there was a team out in Bloomington, Illinois. They were the Bloomington Thunder. They had a great logo. Their color scheme was navy and neon green. The uniforms were awesome and for whatever reason they decided to rebrand to become the Central Illinois Flying Aces. They got a new logo. A new color scheme, they went with red, white, and Tar Heel blue. And it just wasn't a good look. I don't know why they did it. They didn't move or anything, and I don't—I can't think of any other reason than to get fans to pay for more merchandise. I mean, the Thunder was better than the Flying Aces, for one thing. The mascot itself, I don't know. Maybe that's why they do it, but like you mentioned earlier, and that's really what I want to get into, is they do it uh, better In minor league baseball, it seems like you get the best nicknames out of independent minor league summer collegiate baseball teams for whatever reason. I don't know why uh, we decided to come up with a few of the best ones that we could find any that stood out to you. What's on your list?
0: All right. So these might not be all. Well, these are definitely not all baseball names, mm. but I'm going to begin with with one right up here in in Michigan. Mm. Um, and now this name it got kind of popular due to an ESPN commercial years ago, um, and it's just it's it's a unique name, and it's the Watersmeet uh, Michigan Nimrods.
1: The Nimrods. The
0: Nimrods, and it was it was something on this ESPN commercial where they were at Watersmeet High School, and and. Uh, you know, they had the the, the the fan base cheering for the Nimrods and it made ESPN it was this big thing. But you know, that one uh that one's kinda of funny to me. Um there's just some weird there's there's a, a place in Arizona they're they're called the Yuma Criminals. The Yuma Criminals. The criminals. Wow. I don't know what what that's all about. UC Santa Cruz banana slugs. The banana slugs, of course. The banana slugs. Um Stavana Sand
1: Savannah the Montgomery, okay.
0: the Montgomery Biscuits is one that kind of stood mm-hmm. out to me. Um, let's see here, the Jordan Utah Beet Diggers. Okay. The Wampus Cats from Conway. hmm The Badger Wisconsin Badgers. There you go. Um, the Butte Idaho Pirates. So it's Butte Pirates. Um, spelled B-U-T-T-E. You could switch it. Anyways, uh, the Cairo Georgia, the Cairo Georgia Syrup Makers. Okay. That's the Dunbar Poets. It's a football team. Football. Um, the Poets, that doesn't really match. um.
1: Uh, mm-hmm. wants uh, to be the Poets. It right. Wants to wear a shirt that says Poets Football.
0: I don't know. Um, I don't know. There's, there's just a few.
1: Well, you mentioned the Savannah Sand Nats, and I was wondering if you were going to bring up another Savannah baseball team, which might be the best in Savannah. It's hard to beat the Sand Nats, but how about the Coastal Plain League Savannah Bananas?
0: A real Savannah team, banana. I
1: kid you not. They they wore kilts during a game one season. I <laughs> kid you not. If you ever get the chance, look up the Savannah Sand. Nat, make this the Savannah Bananas, look up the Sand Nats too. Both those uniforms are pretty good. The mascots are good. Savannah Bananas, they, they put on a show down there in the Coastal Plain League. How about uh, a few others? There was the Train Robbers, a uh, minor league team up, uh, I think in Oregon is where it is, somewhere up in the Pacific Northwest. One of my new favorites, And they haven't started play yet. I believe they're coming into the league this summer. They're a minor league affiliate of the Padres, the Amarillo Sod Poodles. The Sod Poodles. Sod Poodles. Sod Poodles. I just don't get it. I I don't know. I looked at their logo. Their logo looks like, do you remember, uh, what was it, a year or two ago when the What in Tarnation meme was going around? You had like a squirrel or something wearing a cowboy hat. That's what that logo looks like. It's Whatever reason, the yeah. the sod poodles, and then two years from now, a team in Madison, Alabama, will be starting play—a minor league baseball team. Their nickname is the Rocket City Trash Pandas. Wow, that's that's great. That's that might amazing. Be the
0: best. That's them. amazing. That's amazing.
1: I think it's based in Huntsville, and their logo is a raccoon. See, Apparently, man. that's a trash panda.
0: I can see it. That's yeah. That's a see. They're evolving. All the names are evolving. I guess. I, you know, um, now they're looking you know they're just going to keep getting more ridiculous it's just to, to to stir the pot and get a little buzz but you know it's fun it's fun all funny games
1: tell you what uh honorable mention though a few high schools from back in Iowa that I was able to cover in the same conference as my high school it was only about an hour from where i grew up there is a school in Esterville Iowa Esterville Lincoln Central High School i kid you not their nickname is the Midgets. They are the Esterville Lincoln Central Midgets. I saw that one. You did see that yeah. one. That one came up. Yeah, that. I've had the opportunity to go there and cover games multiple times. Uh, if you ever get a chance to see their mascot, they have the logo, of course, is a stereotypical midget. But to see the mascot live and in person is beyond creepy. It's got to be up there with the Providence Friar. If you get the chance, Google it. Look up Esterville, Lincoln, Central midgets, and then Sheldon High School in Sheldon, Iowa, is the Orabs, which is a combination of the school colors, orange and black. So they get the Orabs. Okay.
0: They have some doozies. Yeah, there's there. some doozies. Uh, <laughs> and you got to keep up at one upping it, I guess. Yep.
1: Yeah, you always got to go find something to go a little further with. Right, exactly. But, no, it's, it's fun looking around and seeing what we can get for logos and mascots, what have you. If we missed anything, let us know. Tweet us at ESPNUP or send us a message on Facebook. Coming up, we'll finish this thing off. We'll talk about the Monday night football matchup ahead. All that and more coming up in the Sports Pen on ESPNUP and the ESPNUP app.
0: Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the
1: ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP, the ESPN-UP app. Don't forget Pigskin Paydays back. Pick the winner of each week's game to win. Play all season long for the $100,000 grand prize only to Jibway Casino, Barriga and Marquette. Tanner Hoops with you. Joined in studio by Jake Durant of CBS Marquette. Well, uh, we've got Of course, the monster Monday night football game to look forward to this week. But let's go back and finish up last night's events before we get to that. Last night, Blake Snell won the American League Cy Young Award. And then over in the National League, it was Jacob DeGrom. And I like those choices. I think both of them were pretty good. It's amazing to think what could have happened for Blake Snell if he actually had an offense to work with, if his team gave him like even two runs a game to work with what kind of a year he could have had but nonetheless good for him he wins the Cy Young a bright spot for Tampa Bay MLB postseason awards are starting to come out and you gotta feel for the Brewers maybe a little bit maybe that they've gotten a little snub so far I thought Craig Counsel really had a good case to be manager of the year I was a little surprised he lost 17 to 11 as far as the voting to Brian Snitker hopefully they get their chance coming up this evening and Christian Yellich's Pete Trophy
0: yeah I mean if I had to put my money on it I would probably say Yelich would get this award. But, yeah, it's it's unfortunate because, you know, console he did a great job with that team. Um, I think it's a team, um, not only did they have that the, that expectation of coming in, but, you know, it's, been a, it's a, been a work in progress, and he's been able to take it step by step and get this team further and further. Um, you know, they played hard in the playoffs. You know, they, they kind of stuck in that with the Dodgers where, you know, a lot of people didn't give them a lot of hope. I, I mean, towards the end, yeah, they, they ran out of gas, but... Um, and pitching obviously ended up hurting them a lot. But I think Council did a, a pretty good job um, doing what he could with with the team. Uh, so it's unfortunate. But, I, you know, I think the Brewers will get that one with Yelich. I, I really do.
1: I'm picking Yelich and Mookie Betts tonight. A little surprised J.D. Martinez wasn't even a finalist. Maybe a little less surprised Alex Bregman wasn't up there, but still surprised to at least a degree. But we have that to look forward to tonight before we can officially say goodbye to the Major League Baseball season. Well, how about basketball last night on the college side of things? We talked about the NBA. Good night for you. Congratulations, Michigan, with a dominant victory over Villanova. I mean, they looked pitiful, Villanova did, going up against the team they beat in the national title game just seven months ago, 73-46. to 46. Hail to the victors as the Wolverines take it. Oh
0: man, this was the most exciting game, the most exciting result I could have ever hoped for. Uh, obviously, get that revenge game against Villanova in the uh, the national championship rematch. Um, I'm super excited about what they have, the the Wolverines. Um, you know, you lose Mo Wagner, but then you get this this guy with a lot of energy, a lot of charisma, a lot of personality, and in Ignis. I might be saying this wrong, wrong he's
1: also got a lot of letters in his name, and very few of them are vowels exactly,
0: um but this guy looks like he's the truth, and uh you know he's going to fill in nicely, obviously you've got charles matthews matthews returning and and guys like that uh isaiah livers is there uh a good sharpshooter who's who's come on I mean this team has a lot going for them, um and last night who would who would have thought? Michigan would go to Villanova and and do what they did um, I did think they have a chance they had a chance to win but I mean just the way they They just dominated in all facets of the game and suffocated on defense and um, Offensive boards were huge and you know They were jumping out of the gym and and yelling and screaming and it, it was it was very um, You know for me very you know, The word I'm looking for I, I don't even know the word it was just it was good to see it was really good to see um, just because of the way they lost to Villanova in the championship game. So it was nice. Um, And then obviously Michigan State as well did did good and was able to win against Louisiana Monroe, but whatever. They struggled a little bit early, but then they
1: remembered they they were Michigan
0: State. Right, right. Uh, So, I mean, it was a good night in college basketball. I'm really excited to see where this Michigan team goes, though. I think they're going to be better than a lot of people might have thought, even with guys like Matthews returning.
1: A good night for the big bodies in michigan not as much for eastern michigan as they had to go up against zion williamson and duke (laughs) who looks every bit like the most complete team in college basketball not only this year but maybe of this decade
0: yeah sorry eastern they don't get enough you know they don't get a lot of shine um and the only reason they're getting talked about is when this type of stuff happens Ah, zion williamson man i'm so impressed by this kid um you, it, people really have to understand just how big he is he's 6'6 285 pounds dude has a 45 inch vertical last night against eastern, eastern michigan he got an alley-oop thrown to him and his head was rim level
1: his he's head he's not was, even their biggest it was guy. a
0: terrible pass mm-hmm. he came up two hands grabbed it and literally was over the rim and just kind of dropped it in and um i saw this thing on twitter it said imagine jj J. watt doing that mm-hmm. that's what it basically is uh that's how big he is uh so that is just unbelievable how this this kid uh can be so athletic and he's looking every bit as a top nba draft pick i know a lot of people are worried about his weight um and think that could be an issue moving forward as he gets older but um you know diet get get your specialists in and this kid looks amazing and I mean, he he's, might not even be the best player on the team. That's what's scary about it. RJ Barrett's looking like he's a, a really good guy, too. Cam Reddish is there, who's, who's a top NBA prospect. They were, had, they were saying and they could possibly go 1-2-3 in the NBA draft. Duke, Duke,
1: Duke. Why not? Why not? With what we're seeing out of them right now. They're not giving us reason to think otherwise. And he's not even the tallest guy on their team, but yet they finish at the rim so well. The most amazing stat I saw last night, they had 20 first-half field goals. 16 of them came at the rim. I mean, there's no stopping this team if they get the ball inside. Duke just looks complete. Right now, I don't see any way that anybody beats them. I mean, they are looking like the most complete team in recent memory in college basketball, but... I don't know. We'll see who's the best matchup for him in the tournament. Still way too early to speculate, what have you. But I like this time of the year, I tell you what, not only for college basketball being back, but now we're going to get into those Thanksgiving weekend tournaments and what have you. You get the Maui invite. I always cheer for Chaminade, even though they're never going to win it. But you get the Maui invite. Uh, go down to Orlando, the Battle for Atlantis, tournaments like that, and you get to see some of these early matchups between some of the power conferences and what have you. And they make for really good basketball, and you get a little bit more of a clear picture of where teams are heading into December.
0: Right, and I, I do agree. The Maui Invitational is one that usually has really good teams participating, and it's nice to see like big, big names going up against each other. That's what I like about college basketball—you get that early on in the season, and then you know they they do the due diligence to get some big matchups um throughout because so obviously teams need to build a resume for the NCAA tournament so um yeah I mean college basketball right now is just amazing um you got a lot of young talent a lot of teams returning talent and, and just a lot of good teams there's a lot of parody uh, outside I guess Duke because Duke I mean honestly going just going back to that Duke thing I haven't seen a team really be able to even you know it, it looks like the other team's just sitting and watching because Duke is just that amazing you I mean, know those I mean?
1: three guys outscored the fourth-ranked team in the country by themselves. But, I
0: mean, it's ridiculous. Like, Eastern Michigan, the guys looked like they were just happy to be there and, and wanted to just stand on the court and watch the show. I mean, that's what it's been. Duke doesn't really have to run offense. Mm-hmm. Literally, they're dribbling down the court as fast as they can and lobbing it up. Or you have Cam Reddish just like Kevin Durant. He basically is being um, con- compared to Kevin Durant. I mean, come on. And then you got Zion, who's compared to LeBron. And then you got R.J. Barrett, who's just a huge— skilled left-handed point guard who's like Jalen Rose times three it's ridiculous
1: well before we sign off here let's take a look at next week's Monday night football matchup I guess we can say this week now that Thursday is upon us this might be the best Monday night football game of the millennium we'll say it's the best one in recent memory if it lives up to its hype which it doesn't always but it's not giving us a whole lot of reason to think it shouldn't Monday Night Football, as the Chiefs visit the Rams, a game that was supposed to be in Mexico City, has been moved to Los Angeles due to poor field conditions. More than anything, I feel bad for the people of Mexico because they have such a strong fan base down there. People don't realize that, that there is a lot of NFL fans down there in Mexico. And they get how many chances to go see them play in their native country. And they would have had maybe the game of the century. I just it's unfortunate for them that that had to happen I feel for them I hope the NFL continues to push forward and giving teams uh, more chances to go international and I know they will but it's unfortunate that had to happen nonetheless we're gonna look forward to a really really fun game coming up on Monday night
0: right and like you said obviously the NFL is probably pretty disappointed they couldn't get two teams down um, into Mexico City because you know, it's a way to expand the league. It's a way to raise awareness on, on the NFL and get more fans to watch and pay for merchandise and, and things like that. Um, for the, the arena in, in Mexico City themselves, uh, it's a learning experience to take care of your fields and have, have it, things ready. Um, no and, more Shakira and, and, concerts. And no more Shakira concerts prior and, and to figure it out. But um, it, going back just to the game, you know, it's going to L.A., um, it's gonna be good because I know the the la rams are giving obviously the people who have uh, been affected by those terrible fires A chance to come and watch the game for free um, Which is is a really good gesture for people, you know, suffering suffering um, Mightily there in Northern, California who's people who've lost everything and you know who have lost loved ones because of this and things like that. So that's pretty cool. And then you know, just the game itself um, With you know, Kansas City and LA I think for LA um, after losing that game to the Saints, who look at all but the best team in the NFL, I think, you know, they're uh, motivated to say, you know, we're still a really good team, don't forget about it, and then go in hand uh, a really good Kansas City team loss for Kansas City. It's, it's keeping that momentum going, and Pat Mahomes, you know, staying on pace for his MVP season. Uh, it's going to be another one of those shootouts, uh, and we're going to have to see. I think uh, because L.A.'s at home, Cooper Cup that injury is going to be huge for them. Um, you know, It's going to be interesting to see. I think it's going to be a close one. I don't I don't know who I have winning this one. I don't either.
1: I think it's a field goal is what separates it, but it's a game that could go either way, and we're expecting a lot of points to be put up on the board. I will say this, though. It may be the best game of this NFL season and maybe the decade if it lives up to its hype. but from what I've seen right now, and of course predictions can change throughout the year, I don't think either of those teams will play for a Super Bowl this year. That's the hot that's, take.
0: That's your hot take. That's the hot take. I don't think the Rams will. No? I think it's going to be the Saints. I do too. If I had a, if I had a pick, right now, my Super Bowl team, I'm gonna go Saints and Pittsburgh.
1: Saints and Pittsburgh. It's tough for me to pick against Pittsburgh right now, but I just know New England's going to do something and turn it on. They always run the table. I just know it's going to happen.
0: Right. You're always waiting for for New England. To, you know, I, I I'm the same way. I'm mm-hmm. waiting for, it, but there's got to be it's there's going to be a time when it, it finally doesn't work and they finally get beat will it be this year we'll have to see but i mean obviously the chiefs are a, a huge contender too but we all seen in the past really good chief teams in the regular season blow it in the playoffs so until they don't do it i can't pick the chiefs
1: Jake Durant from CBS Marquez, our guest in studio today. Jake, next week we're off for the holiday. In case I don't see you before then, happy Thanksgiving.
0: Yep, happy Thanksgiving to you and, and you know, give your family and friends my best wishes and happy Thanksgiving to definitely our viewers out there as well. Um, you know, enjoy yourself and, and stay safe.
1: Yeah, best wishes to you and your family as well. That's all the time for us in the sports pen. Tune in for uh, Will Kane and come back with us tomorrow here on ESPN-UP and the ESPN-UP mobile app.